Hello and welcome to The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your host, Brian Phillips. I'm the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And with me, as always, is our Vice President of Policy, Derek Cohen. Derek has been on a hiatus for about a month, so I hope you're about. I hope you're well-rested and tanned now that you've been on vacation for all this time. <laughs> that must have been it. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- oh, thanks for coming back to the show. Um, and we'll get to our special guest in a minute, but I don't want to be awkward as Derek and I talk about kind of the update. We're going to have Derek do a quick update on the special session. We're about two weeks in, so there's some things that have happened, and Derek's got an update for us. But not to make it awkward, Celine Rodriguez is here. Celine is the policy director for our Secure and Sovereign Texas, uh, Secure and Sovereign Frontier, sorry, uh, campaign, which is border security, immigration, all those things. Celine was literally just at the border last week or the last couple of weeks, so she's going to tell us what's going on down there. So we're really excited about her report and going to ask her some questions about the number one issue in Texas and one of the top issues in all of the country, which is the border border security um, and and certainly with the things going on overseas in Israel right now there's some other uh, even more drastic implications and so we'll get to all of that to kind of preview it uh, but first as always we want to get our ledge update now that we are in a special session mm-hmm. um, get our ledge update with Derek in the last couple of weeks obviously everything's been a lot of the news has been around school choice and around the ESAs and the the bills there but but it's not just uh, school choice let's do that and then talk a little bit about what else is going on Sure. Well, as you know, the uh, special session, the uh, third special session that we're in, uh, was called on uh, called on October 9th. So we're about ten days in. And <laughs> read another way is one third of the way through. All right. Um, and yeah, you know, very similar to what we've seen both in the regular and subsequent specials, uh, the Senate, by dint of their rules and structure, are able to pass. Uh, a lot of the priorities on the call through, and that's what we've seen uh, thus far as well. We've seen uh, them pass out SB4, which is essentially uh, creates an additional offense for running a stash house. Again, I don't want to go too far. In, now that we got Celine here, I don't want to go too far <laughs> into the weeds on the uh, expert here. any of the uh, of the border bills, but also SB11, which is the illegal uh, entry offense. Mm-hmm. So those have passed the Senate. They also passed, and I'd be remiss not to mention, because as you mentioned, our contractual <laughs> obligation, uh, the school choice. They passed a, a, a strong answer. SA bill mm-hmm. that covers about 57,000 folks mm-hmm. um, in private, public, uh, supplementary education. Very broad bill. like to see it. Um, also, they also banned COVID mandates as well. Oh, and also I'd be remiss not to mention, they also increased school funding as well. All that's now over at the House. The House, however, has so all, all that's passed the Senate, just not, not just out of committee. It's all done. It's all from the Senate and headed over to the House. <laughs> Correct. Oh, wow. It is okay. already over at those. In fact, uh, the House has already heard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they've already heard the Senate bills and state affairs, have they not? Uh, the COVID bill, yes. The COVID bill, that's correct. Um, they have heard the COVID bill, and so really just moving those uh, moving those along in the House. Now, again, you know they have a little more uh, stricter rules uh, over in the House, mm-hmm. and also they're still waiting for the House's filed version of the ESA bill. From the rumors I've heard, I've heard it's actually going to be quite uh, quite impressive. Excellent. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, waiting with bated breath for that. And then today, Thursday when we're recording this, is when they have HB4 up in state affairs. And HB4 is the one that, again, creates the offense for um, illegal entry, but also allows law enforcement to remand to a foreign nation. I think that we're going to have a so lot of discussion. So they can remove, there. okay, yeah. remove, not just, um, not just you get charged with the offense right. of being here, but then you can actually be removed, which is something, this is a wrinkle yeah. uh, that I know Celine is eager to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to take all this thing. Like, I want to cover this, but I don't want to take all our thunder because, you know, that's definitely uh, one of the more animating. I wouldn't say it's the animating, obviously, school choice being that. 
but it's one of the more animating uh, features of this particular special. Um, and then just kind of taking the temperature, I mean, in terms of, I mean, it sounds like you're hopeful, at least, you know, they're going to put together a strong ESA bill uh, in the House. Um, but, you know, the, it's not just the, the conservatives or the Republicans right. over there who get a vote. Uh, Democrats and a lot of folks who are opposed, very strongly opposed uh, to mm -hmm. ESAs, uh, also get a vote, and there's going to be a big debate. Uh, so kind of how are you how are you feeling about that, how that debate's taking uh, place? And, you know, the real question is, do you think, do you think the House will get it done before this session because the the governor obviously has promised we're going to keep coming back special session after special session so maybe that's creating a sense of urgency to go ahead and get it done in the first yeah to be honest with you i'm i'm feeling pretty good um that they're going to get something done now whether you know what what the sufficiency of that is up for the, the you know the governor's mm -hmm. uh uh the governor's uh, uh take on but that being said the political incentives say they fail to pass any of this this special session are not going to change for those who decide to, um, you know, advocate against this. For example, especially if they get border security through and you come back uh, the next special and that is all you have is just education freedom mm -hmm. because uh, the COVID mandates and border security have all been passed. You know, that's going to put a not just a spotlight, but a laser pointer sure. uh, on some individuals and, and the way they vote. And. If you're just kind of reading the tea leaves and how folks are acting around it, you know, the the Borg, you know, the, the educrat hive mind is obviously very incensed <laughs> about this because you're just seeing these like incredibly disingenuous attacks, as we've discussed a, a million mm -hmm. times before. In fact, I saw that tweet that you had the other day that some uh, inc this I had to verify this to actually be some golf coach. Oh. <laughs> uh, jumped in your uh, timeline and was like, oh, you're funded by out of state entries and stuff. And I was like. Okay, whatever, man. Um, but it was funny because I'm sitting here going, you know, we joke about taxpayer-funded lobbyists. We got taxpayer-funded golf coaches, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, Brian. If there's anything, you know, your uh, Jim Furyk-looking swing probably could use some of that coaching. <laughs> probably, but, but that yeah. being said, that should come out of your own pocket, not necessarily, uh, you know, taxpayer well, dollars. Well, I could trade him. I mean, maybe he'd give me some golf tips. I can give him some communications tips, you know, something <laughs> yeah. something along those lines. would exactly. be a fair trade. But um, uh, all, all that to say is... Because yeah. yeah. my swing is probably as bad as his talking point. So, uh, so it'll be. A has, good... I, I've seen it. We'll verify. <laughs> well, that's great. So, so, uh, so positive. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, in terms of the the education side of things, you know, once we get, I mean, these are very important. The the border bills and the COVID max vaccine uh, mandates, getting those done with and out of the way, um, and then it will. I mean, if it's the, if it's all that's left is ESAs, um, and we have to go to a second special session, um, it will of course create a tremendous amount of pressure and a sense of urgency around that. Asterix fourth special session. Four, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, sorry. Fourth special session. Um, okay, great. Well, that's a good segue into the issue of the day and the reason why we have Celine Rodriguez. Again, Celine uh, is the policy director for Secure and Sovereign Frontier, which, again, is our, our border security and immigration campaign and all things. I guess it's about as close as we get to doing foreign policy, really. And it's only because we're Texas and we're right here next to the, the Mexico border and there's such an issue there. Uh, the border, you were just there a couple weeks ago um, and... I'll go ahead and give you a shameless plug. There's going to be a big video or maybe even a series of videos that come out as a result of, of what you did down there and took our our um, uh, uh, producer, Jefferson, who's here with us. He was down there filming and everything. So um, I forget what's the word that I always use for the illustrious or the I can't remember uh, uh, Jefferson Drexler. But anyway, so we're, we're going to have a big video about that. So give us a little preview. Just kind of start from the beginning and, you know, let us, you know, what were you hoping to learn when you went down there and what did you take? away 
Well, I want to start. I'm from the border. Okay. I born and raised in Del Rio. So it's funny now because it used to be, oh, we got to go visit family. And now it's, I got to see what kind of work I can get in every time I'm down there. <laughs> so when I used to be trying to find, you know, the best tacos, now I'm like, okay, let's go find how many groups there are. Um, let's go see how many buses we can count throughout different times of the day. So I was really excited to be able to take the team down there and kind of get a better idea of what, what it really is, what the situation really is, because it's easy to hear a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on social media. But yeah, A little different <laughs> mission than uh, than just finding good taco places. <laughs> Though I do want your taco tips. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, we do, we do need to establish, you know, a controversial <laughs> call right now. What is the best taco in uh, Del Rio? In Del Rio, um, I can't actually remember the name of the taco stand right now. I have it in my head, so I'm going to get back you know to that where before to get we there. finish. Yeah, no, I'll definitely... Well, we will, give it to Jefferson, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. but definitely Ajillos. You have to go to Ajillos if you're down there. <laughs> all um, right, all right. Back to the, the other reason you go down there, which so is the, to... So the goal of the, the trip, taking our video team and our, some of our communications team, was to be able to speak to people who are living the situation every day and get our own footage because you hear everything about the buoys, you hear everything about the walls, you hear stories, but we wanted to go down there and hear it for ourselves and, and kind of see everything that was going on. On. specifically though the buoys there's mm-hmm. so much in the news oh there's these big awful monstrous yellow things or orange things in yeah. the water and when you get there it's kind of underwhelming because you just kind of do a quick glance and you've seen the whole buoy barrier mm-hmm. um but you also get to hear from the dps crew that that led us on like a three-hour tour which was incredible and i'm very thankful to dps because they don't do that for just anyone and they were very um, amenable to our request mm-hmm. so they they made it very clear that that buoy barrier and other barriers that the state of Texas has put up are very effective. This is how they're effective. This is the difference in numbers. Um, you know, we've eradicated Carrizo cane in this area, and that's eradicated a lot of human smuggling in this area. Mm-hmm. So just to be able to see this is what the state of Texas is doing. We are doing something. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, though, we got to see a group rush the river in Eagle Pass from the Mexican side. And we're, you know, can we go see? Can we watch what's going to happen? And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Go ahead. And so rush the river. Does that just mean hundreds of people? No, there was I would say maybe 10 to 15. Maybe Um, it was kind of a slow day because a lot of the traffic was shifting up towards Eagle Pass in Arizona at the time. But they literally jumped into the river and booked it to our side and all of the National Guardsmen that were in that area, they went straight to them and, you know, they put out their arms and they said, the border is closed here. You cannot enter here. So that's the state of Texas doing what we've been saying we're doing. Um, They made it very clear this is not a legal entry. You must seek legal pathways, seek a port of entry. They were crying. Um, Unfortunately, federal agents came in and said, if you go up there, we'll help you get in and all the tears were gone and they booked it down towards that bridge so it gives you a good the idea federal agents came in and as the dps was stopping and actually securing the border the federal agents were like hey but but we'll let you in up the river yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was um really interesting to see and you know that that's not what they want to be doing but they're gonna get in either way because this the federal government is just not securing the border so they mm-hmm. they said if you just do it here at least we'll know who you are and we'll be able to process you in some fashion than you trying to sneak in somewhere else right yeah yeah well speaking of sneaking in because I, I know you shared this uh, uh graphic and obviously brian uh, referenced it earlier what are the nationalities of the individuals that are getting caught coming through the various ports of entries, like as far as a distribution? It is everyone from everywhere, which is kind <laughs> of terrifying. Um, it, in the past, like our migration crisis that we would see was mostly from Mexico and your northern triangle countries mm-hmm. and then some from Latin America. This is everywhere. This is almost every single country 
on the globe has been encountered, not just at the southern border, but increasingly at the northern border, too. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, folks all the way from Africa and and Middle East and other countries. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, WhatsApp is a huge driver of that. They'll post like different routes you can take. If you can fly in here, then we'll get you a coyote from here and they'll smuggle you through here. Then you can enter here. It's it's horrible that the way that it's being done now. Social media continuing to be the scourge of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Stop me if you heard this one, right? Um, But specifically, so one of the areas that we haven't covered uh, in your background is you come from, uh, you know, you were a Marine. Uh, you come from marine intelligence, and you know it, it's taking every. Yes, there is marine intelligence. I was going to say it's taking every <laughs> bone in my Air Force body. Not to say, not not to say what a contradiction in terms, or to make it some sort of a crayon reference, but. Oh, so you said we're a marine, and I think it's all once a yeah, marine, always a marine. Always is a that? Marine. Yeah, okay, all right. I, no, that, that, that anybody out there. Me a call upon <laughs> that. But that being said, is. I think you have an, uh, an intimate uh, understanding on what this level, especially in the current geopolitical context, what this level of completely unchecked migration means in terms of vulnerability and national security. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to be very clear. Border security is national security. Border security is knowing and controlling who and what enters your border. What are they doing here? What are their intentions of being here? Whether that's legally or illegally, we have no idea who and what is coming through. We've got numbers of uh, how many people might have crossed from certain nations. That's just who we process. And then I want in the first 16 days of fiscal year 2024, the Border Patrol Chief Owens announced that there was over 18,000 known gotaways in just a little over two weeks. That's the known number. That's not even the own uh, unknown number. Excuse just me. Just def- for definition in terms of gotaways. Gotaways are people that came across the border illegally that Border Patrol or other law enforcement know that they came in, but they don't know who they are or where they are. They weren't able to, to right. detain them or And then you have them. your unknown gotaways, which means there's just no detection of them mm-hmm. whatsoever. And now in light of... Um, uh, you know the situation going to the Middle East, the situation in, in Israel, and all of that. Is there? I mean, I've I've seen some reports, haven't really dug down in there, but mm-hmm. is there is there a heightened sense of uh, security issues now that certainly that there's been Hamas a, and those are willing to you know engage in these attacks? Yeah, there's been a big increase in migrant apprehensions at the southern border from Middle Eastern countries. Uh, just in the past two weeks alone, specifically in Arizona, I think in Lukeville, there's been an increase in Syrian, Egyptian, and Lebanese people coming through Mm -hmm. like i said that's that we know of that Mm -hmm. we don't even know the unknown number um so we have seen that happening um these are the special interest these are special interest aliens and i do want to point out just a a number in september the off the department of homeland security put out their homeland threat assessment for 2024 Mm -hmm. and if i could um they even made it very clear here that these policies are encouraging people with terrorism ties to come through illegally and they're even saying as we're going to continue to see a rise in these numbers. Is there any way we can put them in touch with the administration? Um, I, I think they're in bed with the administration. <laughs> Is there a phone uh, uh, um, somewhere But that we specifically can call? here, they say that migrant encounters along the northern border have also reached an all-time high. Uh, CBP is on pace to encounter more migrants at the southern border this year than any other year except last year. Mm-hmm. So that's for fiscal year 23. So we're still waiting on CBP to announce those numbers. It'll probably be a, a late Friday night news dump like they have been in the past. I can't wait till Paul Krugman uh, tweets that we finally solved uh, the migration <laughs> crisis because... No, uh, 
Now that, one year it ticked down a little bit. Now yeah. in, in interest in, or, uh, inflation to solve, we can just solve the, <laughs> the border problem too. I don't want to get too far, and I love getting into the policy, and we're going to spend some time on that later, but I don't want to get too far away from the human cost, which is part of why you went down there, mm-hmm. why you decided to go down there and, 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 and give voice to people's stories. And so one of the one of what I consider to be one of the uh, most false narratives that's going on, um, particularly in the Austin media, um, is that the people down there are you know sick of Operation Lone Star or that they they're, you know, they want the, the the governor to pull people out, and that they, you know, want their communities back, and so on and so forth. Um, and especially in a place like Eagle Pass, where you were, that's, that's literally where one of these stories came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, is is how upset the people down there are with the with the, the state government trying to, you know, go in and secure the border. What what did you find in terms of, you know, to actually talking to the citizens and folks who live in, in Eagle Pass? Yeah, all of the stories had the same kind of echo chamber within them. Is that the laws are on the books? There are laws that should be stopping the type of crisis that we're seeing. If only those laws were being followed, the majority of these things wouldn't be happening. And that's what every single person that we talked to had to say. Um, the, the communities, they're tired of having all of their resources going towards these types of things. Uh, they the DPS situation for Operation Lone Star, it is hard because you have so much more law enforcement in, and but the good thing is they're focused on getting human smuggling out of the state of Texas, mm-hmm. stopping drugs from going into the state of Texas. And from a law enforcement perspective, Operation Lone Star has been extremely successful. Over 400 million lethal doses of fentanyl mm-hmm. have been caught by Texas law enforcement. And I can't even begin to think of how many human smugglers have been stopped, specifically in these small, small counties mm-hmm. where most of the, the people that they get through their lands are the gotaways. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a big increase in DPS-led uh, bailouts, vehicle bailouts because of all of this. That's hard on the communities that the bailouts are happening, but they also understand either it stops here close enough to the border or all of these human smugglers get these people and these drugs into communities all over the country. So they do see that that type of effect is happening. They're appreciative of the law enforcement that's, that's, that is there trying to stop it. But, you know, it's it's not something that we hope to see for years to come. It's mm-hmm. something we hope we're able to put a stop to because this crisis shouldn't be happening in the first place. So then is it fair to say that the communities are sort of a, it's sort of a, a frustration that we know this is sort of ground zero for where this has to happen, but yeah. at the same time, um, I don't know if they're thankful for DPS being down there or, or if they're just frustrated with the whole system, it sounds like. Uh, they're definitely frustrated that the federal government has abdicated its duty and that this is necessary, mm-hmm. but they're thankful that the state is trying to do something about mm-hmm. it. Um, one thing I want to get into is, and you mentioned it a couple of times, is, is the you know the the coyotes, the smuggling operations, and all of that. Really, to put a face on this, I mean, this is all organized by the cartels, right? Yes. I mean, nothing. None of this happens. There's yeah. no independent <laughs> actors down there, you know, running a smuggling ring. All of this no, is no ma and pa's human smuggling, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You know, well, the the market is high, so you know, you got all these small individuals, you know, these these small. No, these are WalMarts of human smuggling. Um, sorry, Sadly Walmart. Accurate. Sorry, Sadly actually. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah, I actually like Walmart, so I apologize for that. <laughs> um, but 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 let's get into that a little bit um, because these are sophisticated operations, and it is being run by these inter you know international cartels. What do we know about their operations? Have we learned anything at least over the last couple of years about what, you know how they're doing, what they're doing, and maybe ways to stop that or combat it? Again, social media, <laughs> uh, TikTok, WhatsApp, Snapchat, huge vehicles that cartels use. They hire other people to then find 
targeted people within the states that they can find people, college students, people who might just be struggling with life these days and say, we'll pay you up to $1,200, sometimes $1,500 a head if you just drive to the city, pick up these people and go. People aren't stupid. You have to know that there's some sort of illegal activity going on right. in there. Um, and that's not, like you said, coming from just some random mom and pa shop on the border. That's orchestrated. That's carefully organized. There's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of actors in play there. But to, to that point, <laughs> I think I heard testimony just this week that some kid said, oh, yeah, you know, they just basically go, hey, drive down to the border. To Del Rio. And, to Del Rio and pick somebody up for $1,200. I'm, I'm sorry. That, like... In what world? Yeah. <laughs> In what world? Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's that's Greyhound exactly how it's costs happening. like sixty bucks. You know, <laughs> like what? Something else is going on if you're paying somebody twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, it. and you have the thing is, is people think, oh, well, DPS is just stopping like SUVs and minivans and thinking that they're smuggling. No, there's, you know, we've have technology in place where they might say, all right, we have the intel that there's a red car that's coming down. We saw a group cross at whatever point. So let's have DPS and Kenny be on the alert and then they'll see the car's actually riding pretty low. They pull mm-hmm. them over. They've got 10 people in their trunk, you yeah. know, what have you. Yeah. It's it's carefully organized. Um, it's increasing. And we've got law enforcement from other states that have even had to come down and help because we can't catch them all, but there's an increase in them. Yeah, But even as successful as, as Operation Lone Star uh, has been, because the numbers are just there. I mean, like you said, hundreds of millions of doses of fentanyl, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have been detained and all of that. It's still at the, but still we're seeing record numbers of people come across, right. get put into, you know, into this country. Um, the gotaways, as you said, a record number in the last 16 days. Um, is it just too much? I mean, is it just the, is the influx without help from the federal government or, or being taken seriously by the federal government um, is it just overwhelming for Texas uh, yeah it's extremely overwhelming we know that they're coming in we don't always know where they're at or how many there are so we're putting as many resources as we can mm-hmm. but right now those resources can't commit to this long term the mission of DPS is not to secure the border they're doing that now and they're doing that well but in the next 10 years can they still allocate yeah. you know 80% of their force to that um, so let's talk about what, you know, we, we mentioned already a little bit about um, SB4 and SB11. Let's take us through those things um, because there are, you know, changes in the law. There's a lot that the, that the governor can do on his own. That we don't necessarily need the change of the law, which is a lot of what he's been doing the last two years. But there are, there have been some reforms and proposed reforms. A couple of those made, them, made their way through the Senate. Talk a little bit about SB4 and then we'll get into SB11. So SB4 is to increase the criminal penalty for operating a stash house and smuggling people. So specifically stash houses, that's often overlooked because unless you're looking at crime stats for stash houses, you really don't see it. Mm -hmm. In El Paso alone, just this year in 2023, there's been over 250 stash houses found. That's just by Border Patrol. That's not even the Texas law enforcement who's finding like multiple stash houses a weekend. Um, So that's a huge problem, whether that just be people, people and drugs, drugs, weapons. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would increase the penalty for those and then obviously human smuggling it would just target the person who's doing the smuggling mm-hmm. um and and um so that's gone through the senate into the house any issues with it over in the house or it was heard in house state affairs and now we're just hearing waiting for their vote and then sb11 is uh, increasing criminal offenses for for trespass no. trespassing or sb11 is creating a criminal offense okay. that does not exist yet for the illegal entry into the state of texas anywhere other than a lawful a lawful port of entry so it's not against state law right now to to come here illegally right surprisingly okay. <laughs> interesting but i want to note texas <laughs> does have the constitutional authority to 
put such a law in place. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the big pushback is, you know, well, the, the immigration and border security is really a federal responsibility. Uh, what could the state possibly do? Right. Talk a little bit about the fact that we do have Yeah, those so there's powers. two things, according to the Constitution, that states cannot weigh in on that's a federal responsibility, that's visas and citizenship. Uh, otherwise, we have every power, according to the United States Constitution, to control our borders and to protect our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. That includes making a criminal offense such as this. We also have the, the power to exclude people who have no right to be in the state of Texas, so that's things that we're looking into. Mm -hmm. But the power is there, the Constitution says so, there's no law that says we can't, and if there was a law that said we couldn't, it would be unconstitutional. Uh, Derek, anything? No, no. Uh, other than since you were talking about um, since you were talking about the legislation, though, would like to uh, ping you on HB four though too, which mm -hmm. uh, is going to be heard later today. Right, and we do support HB four. It's also creating that new state offense for illegal entering into the state, and on top of that, removing you from Texas. Uh, so there's a, some different things that go into there. Derek probably knows the crime aspect. It, you know, it would be a class A misdemeanor of this or a class B misdemeanor of that. And then there's some notes on indemnification. So protecting the local courts that are going to have to take this type of mm -hmm. processes on for the adjudication and everything. But basically, it says if you come into Texas uh, illegally, you're going to get slapped with that crime, the criminal offense. And then we're also going to remove you from the state. And if you try to come back in again, you're going to get slapped with a harsher crime and then also removed from the state. <laughs> well, and who would be opposed to that? I mean, uh, during during the regular session, there were folks that <laughs> jumped up and, you know, when they were creating the, the Border Patrol Force, right, or not the Border, the border Force. The I'm, Texas Border Protection the Texas Unit. Border Protection Unit calling in a vigilante force that yeah. apparently doesn't, don't even know what the definition of vigilante means. Yeah. But, but you know, using all this, like, um, this uh, crazy language uh, to oppose it, why, why? I mean, this seems like something that I can't even believe is not even law today. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but not only is it not law today, we're trying to pass it into law and there's people who oppose it. What well, can a lot be of the objection? people who oppose legislation like this will also stand up before the Texas legislature and say they don't even believe in illegal immigration, which we saw in the hearing the other day. They say, well, do you believe there is illegal immigration? And they're like, no, I believe that there are just asylum seekers. And that was a, that was a line of questioning right. from a Democrat. From a Democrat, yeah. Wow. Uh, who is, you know, in favor of being, of people who illegally enter being removed from the state. Mm -hmm. uh, Gentleman from Laredo. A Laredo Democrat, yeah. So this is this is a national issue. It's an issue that both both sides of the political spectrum can get on. Yeah. But the people who are against it are just kind of people who believe that any type of immigration enforcement is racist or mm -hmm. xenophobic. All those fancy you know words that they try to pull out. It's not because. We want legal immigration. We want people to be able to come in safely through the correct processes. But the, the what's happening right now is not humanitarian. It's putting lives at risk. It's not safe. A big, beautiful door. A big, strong, <laughs> beautiful door, as, as uh, one former uh, politician put it. <laughs> well, and, and, and but the, I think that kind of like one of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about, Brian, is that like, look, this dime store progressive, the dorm room progressive, and however you want to call it, is basically a luxury good, right? You know, it's these people that, you know, oh, well, you know, I come from uh, uh, Westlake and then I go to UT and major in uh, gender studies and underwater <laughs> basket weaving. And the people that don't actually have to confront the realities, whether at the border or in the communities, because they have what is essentially a cloistered existence. This is why academia is so detached from the very... Um, 
you know, the very life that they are supposed to study and expound upon, and they come out with theories that just don't fit into reality. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an aside for a whole other time, but we just see it. We see that's the manifestation that we actually see is that some, you know, somebody with purple hair is going to, you know, from whatever, students for justice for whatever, is going to walk down there, testify, you know, snap at the members, insinuate their uh, racial motives, do all that stuff. It's because they don't actually have constituents, those individuals, that have to deal with the reality of this problem. And, the, and I think that that's where the disconnect is. And with that, um, one of the people that we spoke to while we were on the border a couple weeks ago, her name is Allison. She's uh, Her husband's a Border Patrol agent. They've been on the border for the past 10, 15 years. But she told us there's been multiple instances where she has some, where she believes cartel-affiliated uh, people because they usually have weapons on them. And they go to her front door. They're knocking on her little girl's window and they're saying, don't leave your house. Stay right there. Um, you know, they're pointing weapons right into her window and she can't do anything. She's all alone, right? And she calls her husband and he gets there as fast as he can. That's just one story. There's mm-hmm. so many people at the border, along the border region who are facing things like this every single day. What about them? And are they able, I mean, are these the kind of folks that are able to make their way up to Austin to testify? And, and Oh, she and, does. Okay. Yeah, um, her <laughs> And some of our other counterparts have experienced things like that. They've even testified in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But we need something to follow up on that. Yeah. We, it's, uh, I will share these stories till my dying breath. <laughs> but what's going to come of them? Are we going to help people like Allison and people in these regions who their livestock is being destroyed, their property is being destroyed? They don't feel safe. Their hospital resources are gone for the members of the community because they're going towards uh, medical emergencies for people who are illegally crossing. Mm-hmm. What about them? And to your your point, Derek, I mean that's the point of of these busing, this busing mm-hmm. campaign that the that that uh, the governor has been doing for the past you know year or more into places like mm-hmm. Chicago and New York and San Francisco and all that because mm-hmm. he's trying to show you know you have sanctuary cities yeah. he's trying to confront them with the issues that we're dealing with and it's only really a microcosm you get eight ten thousand people and all of a sudden it's a it's a, an emergency in Chicago right. it's like eight ten thousand people that was just the morning in Eagle Which, Pass Chicago. Is now offering, I think, up to like eight thousand dollars a month per illegal immigrant to help them with housing. Eight thousand dollars a month? Uh, something like that. <laughs> and what are the qualifications? And where would one put in an application? Yeah. Just yeah. hypothetically speaking. Yeah. yeah. If you've been living in the O'Hare O'Hare Airport for the past few months, you qualify. I think. I've had some long layovers. <laughs> yeah. But but, but, uh, but no. To Brian's point, I mean, like that, the 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 end result or the 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 logical takeaway from that. Is while we can bus them or bus illegal immigrants to uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Washington D.C., why not Terrytown? Why not you know? Why not uh, Westlake? Right here in Austin. And yeah. I want and they are willfully getting on these buses. There nobody's forced to get on the sure. bus. Nobody's forced to go to these towns. They say there's buses that are going to go to X Y Z. Who wants to go there? And they just load up and go. Do you, I mean, what do you think about that policy? I mean, is, at first, it, I mean, it started out as kind of like a messaging point, which is like, but now it's like a real thing. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, tens of thousands of I of think folks. the state of Texas, as of Monday, has bus over 58,000 out, most of that being to New York, which I'll also note, mm-hmm. most of the migrants that have been sent to New York in any manner of transportation is from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very small portion that's actually from that's the right. state of Texas, that's right. yeah. um, which will, if you listen to our Mike Binks video, when that comes out, he'll explain all the mechanisms. 
mechanisms behind that. A little shameless promotion there. <laughs> uh, Celine got to, to interview Mike Banks, who is the uh, border, Texas Borders are Texas Borders are, which I think is the probably the first interview he a public interview he's given, right? Uh, I think a one-on-one interview, yes. Yeah, one-on-one. Well, that's great. Well, that's a good shameless plug for for that <laughs> video as well. There's just so much video coming out. She knows what she's doing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you know, it, it was 15 years ago uh, when when then presidential candidate John McCain said, "Build the damn wall." And we're 15 years later, where are we on the wall? <laughs> so, um, funny note, when Joe Biden was actually a senator, he voted for the wall. And he said, we need tighter border enforcement. We need to stop the Mexicans from coming in and taking jobs. Uh, and now, you know, he's come in. He said, not an inch of the wall is going to be built if I get elected. And for the for the longest time, that was true. But at one point, the federal government did start patching holes in the wall, uh, which was good, but obviously we need a lot more. So the state of Texas is the first state in history to build its own border wall. Mm -hmm. There's actually a bill up right now, which will be heard in appropriations next week to allocate $1.5 billion, I believe, to border wall and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also another bill that's going to be heard, hopefully, that's allocating more for border infrastructure. But the wall is being built by the state. And it is very effective in certain parts of the border. And it's moving people. I mean, once they come up to the wall, they're then moving down the line and Unless trying to find Unless you have places. federal agents who, against their better judgment, have to open up a door in the wall and just, you know, process them in. Um, I know that there's been some effort to uh, stop these, whether it's the wall or the buoys and things like that, to stop the, them in court. Um, it sounds like, I don't know if you're up to speed on all of that. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on it. But um, but it sounds like so far th- there was a case that that, um, that required, I mean, we lost, I think, a, a judge. To, on the buoys to pull them out of the water, but then they stayed that judgment. Yeah. So the buoys are still there. The buoys are still there. Okay. They are on the Texas side mm-hmm. of the river. And where the buoy barrier is, crossings have completely stopped in that area. Uh, deaths and injuries in that area have completely stopped, and it pushes the traffic down to a safer place where, A, you shouldn't, shouldn't be illegally crossing anyway, but law enforcement can better react to those crossings. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. I mean, is there any plan, as far as you're aware, to extend the buoys? I mean, if it's, if it's what literally what's working. From what I've been told, if we win in the courts, which it looks like we have a pretty good chance of doing, uh, they do want to extend, and there's already a lot of more buoy infrastructure that's down there in Eagle Pass where they're ready to should they have the opportunity to but it's proven to be effective and they do want to extend in certain parts where it mm-hmm. could be really helpful is the federal government doing anything <laughs> to help? i mean honestly like it's, it just seems like you know they're they're suing texas to stop the buoys they're you know they're not building the wall they're they're forcing texas to use all of its resources in order to uh, protect the border and even when we do protect the border they're saying hey guys come down here yeah. where we are in our camp and we'll let you cross i mean is there any effort on the part of the department of homeland security to 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 regain out? any sort of operational security, no. No. They are putting in place more incentives, but we know what incentives do. All right. Well, we don't want to start up on a on a negative note. Uh, we have a, we have just have a couple minutes left. Um, and so, in terms of the you know, we always talk about our ideas here. We talked a little bit about the legislation, but in terms of like the next you know year or so on this issue, um, you know, we're going to try and get these things through uh, uh, to special session. Sounds like they're on their way, and so we'll at least have you know a couple of items that will give Texas more uh, power and authority and support uh, to go down there and and secure the border. But what do you? I mean, we've got an election coming up. 
Um, you know, do you think, I mean, cynically, some of us around here think that maybe, you know, the Biden administration will cut a deal with Mexico uh, <laughs> to try and secure the border in some way as they ramp up towards, you know, the election next year. Uh, what, what do you foresee in the next 12 months in terms of border security? Well, we want to be very clear. The Mexican government is not our partner. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mexican people, they're great. They don't deserve the government that they're stuck with. But we want to see a hard line drawn on what the Mexican government is today. We need to be more clear that it's Texas against Mexico, it's Texas against the federal government, so we're looking at sort of a roadmap. What can the next presidential administration, whatever party they're affiliated with, what can they do to basically clean up this mess? Mm-hmm. And that's fixing the border, that's regaining operational security of the border, and that's Im- some type of immigration laws that we're going to have to look at. Our asylum process is very outdated, so how can we fix and update the asylum process? And then in terms of border security, we need that red line with Mexico. We need to see how can we move past what's going on there and they also have a presidential election coming up too around the same time we do so there's going to be a lot of changes there but how can we do our best to secure ourselves and take care of our sovereignty when we don't have a partner to ourselves. That sounds like a very uh, worthwhile agenda that uh, will probably have to be implemented <laughs> by someone not of this administration, uh, and we'll see what happens with the the election next year. Um, so that's all of our time for today. So we really appreciate you, Celine. Again, is the policy director for Secure and Sovereign Frontier is our border security and immigration campaign at TPPF. Um, I forgot to do my favorite part, which is the shameless plug for our big newsletter that goes out. Uh, every Thursday. Um, Again, it's exclusive content. It's a wrap-up of all the things kind of that we're working on, all of the top issues. Um, Coupon codes for her taquerias. Some coupon (laughs) codes. Yeah, we'll have to. We have a thing at the very end called the Postscript, and so since you're very steeped in the the cultural ways of tacos in South Texas, (laughs) we may have to get you to do a top five for the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would be happy to. All right. well then, so if you want to get those taco (laughs) tips, as well as other exclusive material, you can sign up for the post at texaspolicy.com slash the post. So, Celine, again, Welcome, or thank you for um, uh, for being here, Derek. Thank you for coming back. Uh, so I don't have to carry the show uh, every time. And uh, as we always like to say, well, thank you to our audience, thank you to our listeners, and do right. And what is it? Sorry, I always mess this up. Do right and risk the consequences. We'll see you next time. <laughs>